بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى اهل سيدنا محمد بارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا انك انت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والنية والهدى إنك على كل شيء قدير آمين رب العالمين Respected uh, listeners, dear brothers and sisters السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this gathering like any other gathering of knowledge and dhikr in the house of his to be a very blessed one We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he allows every one of us to remain sincere in our coming here and allow us to receive every single answer that we're looking for in our life through the barakah of the Qur'an. May Allah Azza wa Jalla allow us to, through the barakah of this gathering, build a stronger relationship with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May He allow us to contemplate over its meanings. May He allow us to trust that the Qur'an has solutions to all of our difficulties. And may He make you and I from amongst those who are blessed to be reciting it abundantly, abundantly every single day. That may our lips always be Moist in his remembrance, sometimes through salawat, sometimes through Quran, sometimes through some other dhikr uh, uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, uh, like we always mention this at the beginning of every dars, we should, our niyyah should be Allah, uh, allow me to practice whatever I hear, allow me to propagate whatever I hear, and allow me to uh, get the solutions to what I'm looking for in my life. This is a few brothers that reached out before Isha for some specific issues. I told him, come to the tafsir, and inshallah, if you are sincere in what you're looking for, you'll get the answer. Whatever issue you're dealing with, inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow it to come about in, in the, throughout the, uh, tonight's discourse. Um, so having said that, and then I also want to um, also mention that uh, Alhamdulillah, there's a lot of effort that's being done here for, for uh, making a very detailed uh, description of each tafsir. So those of you who are listening online and those of you listening here and then you can go back home and listen afterwards. Under the description of each tafsir, you'll see timestamps that are meticulously being done by one of our students here. May Allah Azza wa reward him for that and put barakah in his knowledge and his amal. Uh, so it's, it's very meticulously done so that any... Um, Uh, any time you want to get a gist of what was covered today, you can easily just go and taqriban the entire one hour, 15 minutes or so is, is divided op- over based on the uh, topics that were covered. And you can, with the press of one link there, immediately um, uh, go to that section. So I want you all to be aware of this uh, so that you can benefit from it. Because I know many times you say, oh, I heard that story, I want to hear it again. Or I heard that one hadith, I want to hear it again. And you wonder where it was. So mashallah, this is being done properly so that you can just easily um, uh, you know, go to that specific area. So uh, you can see it here. If you can see the uh, link right now, we've got it up on the screen. So every single thing from take-home lesson to concluding dua to the, the rise of isms, revelation of Surah Al-Kahf. It talks about which ayahs were covered. So please do benefit from this. Every single tafsir of Surah Al-Kahf, so far, alhamdulillah, we have it. Um, detail like this and when you just press the link notice this you can, as you're moving forward it just shells, tells you what 
topic is being covered. So inshallah, if you all make du'a for him and other students, hopefully we can eventually one day get have all the tafsirs um, done like this. But we want to do this if we're benefiting. So that's why I want to share this with you. So you can um, share it with others and hopefully for the sake of reviewing, you can also go back to those sections. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Ayah number 17. وترى الشمس إذا طلعت تزاور عن كهفهم ذات اليمين وإذا غربت تقرضهم ذات الشمال وهم في فجوة من ذلك من آيات الله من يهد الله فهو المهتد ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا وتحسبهم أيقاظا وهم رقود ونقلبهم ذات اليمين وذات الشمال وكلبهم باسط ذراعيه بالوصيد لو اطلعت عليهم لوليت منهم فرارا ولملئت منهم رعبا وكذلك بعثناهم ليتساءلوا بينهم قال قائل منهم كم لبثتم قالوا لبثنا يوما أو بعض يوم قالوا ربكم أعلم بما لبثتم فبعثوا أحدكم بورقكم هذه إلى المدينة فلينظر أيها أزكى طعاما فليأتكم برزق منه وليتلطف ولا يشعرن بكم أحدا إنهم إن يظهروا عليكم يرجموكم أو يعيدوكم في ملتهم ولن تفلحوا ولن تفلحوا إذا أبدا وكذلك أعثرنا عليهم ليعلموا أن وعد الله حق وأن الساعة لا ريب فيها إذ يتنازعون بينهم أمرهم فقالوا ابنوا عليهم بنيانا ربهم أعلم بهم قال الذين غلبوا على أمرهم لنتخذن عليهم مسجدا سيقولون ثلاثة رابعهم كلبهم ويقولون خمسة سادسهم كلبهم رجما بالغيب ويقولون سبعة وثامنهم كلبهم قل ربي أعلم بعدتهم ما يعلمهم إلا قليل فلا تمار فيهم إلا مراء ظاهرا ولا تستفت فيهم منهم أحدا Allah Azza wa Jal mentions in these verses from 17 to 22, Allah Azza wa Jal mentions now the miracle of the protection of these individuals. He says, And had any of you been people in witness? Watara. Watara means, are you seeing? Obviously, we're not there. Allah Azza wa Jal wants us to imagine as though we are there. And we can witness that scene. What do you see the scene? You have these people lying inside this cave. And you're seeing the atmospheric conditions changing. You would have seen the sun as it rose inclining away from their cave towards the right, and as it set declining away from them towards the left, while they were asleep in a deep hollow within. What's happening here, the, the, the sun when it rose from the east and set in the west, although they were lying in an open part of this large cave in which the sunlight would have been directly hitting them, Allah Azza wa Jal he made the sun change its pattern specifically for these individuals so that direct rays of sunlight would not touch them, would not get to them inside the cave, even though it was an open area where had it not been for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala making the sun deviate from this path, it would most definitely have hit their body. And similarly, when the sun would be setting, Allah azza wa instructed the sun to change its path and deviate 
to a certain degree, just enough so that they would not be afflicted or they would not receive any sunlight inside, direct sunlight. And then Allah says, This is of the miraculous signs of Allah. Whomever Allah guides, then He's truly guided. But whomever He leaves to stray. Notice the translation here. Whomsoever He leaves to stray. He lets him stray. Not that He's actively leading him astray. But rather who He lets him stray away. Then you shall never find for him any rightly guided, guiding patron. Moreover, you would have thought to them, if you were to come to them, you would think that they're awake. Even though they are actually sleeping, meaning their eyes may have remained open. This was one of the methods of protecting them from any intruders. Is like a scarecrow. So these are not, these are actual humans. They're sleeping, but their eyes are wide open. So someone who's intending to mess around or come inside, when he sees them looking, seven or five or people staring at him, he will be intimidated and will walk away. So Allah Azza wa Jalla, although they were sleeping, had their eyes wide awake, or somehow present, you know, uh, made it seem that they're awake, although they were lying sleeping. And then for we turned, and then second way that possibly besides the eyes remaining open, another thing that made a person who was possibly trying to intrude upon them in the cave to make them feel that they are awake is that they would be turning sideways from one side to the other. They would be taking turns. They would be, you know, they, they, in, their, in their sleep, they would be turning from right to left. Now it's not they were doing it. We turn them on their right sides and then on their left because they can't do it themselves. Right? Allah Azza wa says, we are the one who turn them on their right sides and then turn them on their left. So someone who's seeing them thinks that most definitely these people are awake. Or at least they're not very deep asleep. Okay, then another amazing thing, another means of protection. Third means of protection, وَكَلْبُهُمْ basit. Their dog, a dog, while their dog stretched forth his four legs at the threshold. So you have a guard dog. Right at the threshold, right at the entrance of the cave. Were you to have come upon them in this state while they're in the cave, more surely you would have frantically turned away from them in flight. You would have been afraid and turned your back to them and run. And for you would have been filled with horror at the sight of them. This was the means of protecting them. And so it was that at last we awakened them. Thus they began to question one another. One of them said to the others, How long have you remained asleep? Some said, We have only remained so for a day, or maybe a portion of a day. While others said, Your Lord knows best. Meaning, let's not get into this discussion. What's the point of discussing how long we slept? We really don't know exactly. Your Lord knows the best. How long you have remained asleep? Now let's get to business. We are, we are hungry. So send one of you forth now with these silver coins of yours to the city and let him look as to where he might find the most wholesome food. Go search for halal food. Then let him bring back to you some provision from it. But let him proceed gently. Let him proceed stealthily. Why? And let no one take undue notice of you. Make sure you cover yourself up. Do not remain. Do not try to attract unnecessary attention to yourself. Why so? Innahum. For indeed, if they come to know about you, two things will happen. One of two things will happen. Yarjumukum. Either they will stone you to death. That's it. We won't get a chance to, to, to not like they're running away from martyrdom. But hey, Nabi Wasallam said the best individual is the one who has mantala umuru wa hasun amalu. The one who's got a long life and a lot of good deeds. That's the ideal life. 
We want to live. We're young. We want to live a long life, successful life. We want to be able to guide people towards the deen. So they're not running away from martyrdom. The issue is, why not have a lengthier life if possible? So if you do a foolish mistake, they may end up killing you right then and there, stone you to death. Because that's what they had told us, the king, earlier on. That if you don't give up this <clears throat> shirk, and, I'm sorry, if you don't give up Islam, if you don't give up monotheism, then I'm going to yeah, punish you for that. What is the second option, that, the second possibility? Oh, something worse than that. They may force you to become apostates. They may force you to come back to the religion. And if you do that, never again would you succeed to obtain salvation. If you end up becoming a mushrik now. So it was that we caused them. We caused them to be discovered. They were, at, they were forced to wake up. They were forced to become hungry. They were forced to go find food. And then this whole secret came out. It wasn't coincidental. It was meant to happen. Allah wanted it to happen. We caused them to be discovered. Why? So that the people, so that their people in that town might know and bear witness that indeed Allah's promise to raise the dead is true. And Allah's promise to help those who want to remain on the deen is true. And so that, and, and that, so to the coming of the hour of doom, there is no doubt at all therein. Behold, their people had quarreled amongst themselves regarding the affair of these youths after they had passed away. Some of them said, let's build a perimeter, perimeter wall around them in the cave to seal off the remains so that no one comes and tries to take away the sand or take away the body to desecrate it or for the sake of barakah, whatever it may be. So no one should touch them. Let's seal off that area and let them alone. For their Lord knows best about what is to become of such people. But those who prevailed in this argument and debate said, we shall raise a house of worship over them. We'll build a masjid on top. So that at least people can come, whoever comes to witness this story, they'll be able to make some ibadah, you know, over here. Some of the people of the scripture, the people of the book, the Yehud and Nasara, they, now they have a difference of opinion regarding how many people were in the cave. Some say there were three, and the fourth of them being their dog. Others will say there were five, the sixth of them being their dog. They are but casting about in the unseen. Rajma, Rajm is to throw. So they're casting their, their ideas, their viewpoints in the dark. They have no clear proof. Rajman bil ghaib. Uh, they are but casting about in the unseen for an obscure answer. Yet others will say they were seven and the eighth of them was their dog. O Muhammad sallallahu say, Rabbum a'lamu bihim, my Lord knows best their number. None but a few truly knows of them and their actual number. So do not argue about them except with the sure argument, which is the argument given to you by the Qur'an. Nor make inquiry concerning them from anyone amongst the people of the scripture. So this is what we are covering today. Allah Azza wa Jalla speaks about the miracle of the sun. And that's what, if you read the uh, uh, promo for today's tafsir, that was written by also one of our students here, mashallah, in a very nice, just, he, he, uh, he uh, uh, summarized what we want to, what one of the main points of today is the fact that nature, you know we talk about laws of nature, we talk about laws of physics, we talk about laws that we, we understand from, from uh, studying nature, these laws, they, although they remain uh, consistent usually, and for us, they're laws that cannot be changed, but for Allah they are absolutely changeable, editable, nullifiable. There's no such thing as 
this is the set way and it can only happen this way. There is usually a sunnah of Allah of how He goes about doing things, but then the qudra of Allah outdoes that. The qudra of Allah means the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is not committed, that is not uh, you know, locked down to any specific way of doing things. For example, usually a man and woman come together and you have a child. But then you have the story of Maryam, where without the husband, Allah Azza blessed her with a child. You have the story of Adam and Hawa. <coughs> without any of this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is blessing them with a child. Yes? So these are examples of kharqun lil'ada is called. Kharqun lil'ada. Kharq is to tear. Ada means habit or a normal means and method of doing things. There are incidents in which kharqul ada takes place, which is that the ha- habit is, uh, is thrown out, right? The usual method is thrown out and you come up with something new. That is called different things. If it's done by a prophet, kharqul ada is done by a prophet, it's called a mu'jiza, it's called a miracle. Because mu'jiza means that a prophet is making someone, anyone besides him, Ajiz and incapable of bringing anything similar to that. So, Nabi Salih brings out a camel from the mountain. This is a mu'jiza because no one else besides Nabi Salih can do that with the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ajiz means incapable. He has incapacitated everyone else from bringing in a miracle like this. And Nabi Musa throws his staff and makes it into, a, it turns into a snake and it eats up all the rest of the sihr and, this, and the magic that was there, the false snakes there. He throws that staff and 12 uh, 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 springs gush out of, a, out of a hard big rock and boulder. He throws that same staff and water becomes stone. Water becomes land. You see how it changes? Water is becoming sand from that same staff. And then stone is becoming water with the same staff. Stone, uh, that same staff ends up eating uh, all the rest of the uh, snakes once it turns into a snake. This is a perfect example of what we want to speak about. That the staff in reality is not a staff. The staff is what Allah wants it to be. The staff is what Allah wants it to be. This is the crux of Surah Al-Kahf, I think so. Right? The belief, the ability to believe that what you see is not what, what, what it means, to, what you're seeing and what you're interacting with is not what it seems to be, it's rather what Allah wants it to be. If we can just understand this point, that anything you see in life is not what it seems to be, but it rather it is what Allah wants it to be. Hence, that friend that you think is going to give his life for you, he will, if Allah wills it to be. But he could be the actual one who will stab you in the back. That enemy who you think that this person hates me will destroy my life. It can be. But guess what? If Allah wants, He'll use that very same enemy to save your life. I remember one person, he told me, in, in a shop that his father used to run a gas station. A person, he worked one day, he went to go help out his father. And the person who came to grab a pack of cigarettes, sweared at his dad, spoke to him very harshly, he looked at his dad, like, why are you serving this guy? He said, yeah, he's a regular customer. He comes every day, swears at me. You know, says all kinds of b- bad things about Muslims and walks away. So the son's like, well, no, I can't watch you being treated like this. So after the sale was over, he sat with that man. And he said, listen, let's talk. Why are you speaking to my father like that? Why do you have such animosity? And then you come here and give business for what? What's the deal? He spoke to him for three hours. All the way, way past the store is supposed to be closed. Right? All the way till midnight. And mashallah, that conversation ended up in a very nice way. And this man, he, a lot of his doubts were clarified. You know? Two days later, there was an armed robbery in that same store. And this man happened to be there buying cigarettes again. 
And subhanAllah, he's the one who tackled the, that, uh, that armed robber to the ground and saved the life of the owner of this gas station. Two days later, what happens? You would think that you would never in your life think that this person is going to, he will try to get me killed first. But Allah Azza wa Jal is showing us that don't trust anything in front of you. Your enemy may become your friend, your friend may become your enemy. This is why Ali radiallahu anhu his famous beautiful statement. He said, Ahbib That ensure that you love your friend to a degree that is not too much. Love your friend to a degree that is acceptable, that is normal. Do not go beyond the bounds in your love for anyone. Lest one day he will become your enemy. And now he's got the secrets to your entire life. And now he is equipped with things that you never would dream your enemy would have. But since you opened up to him to that degree, and you've equipped him with your darkest secrets, what has happened? Now he's equipped with something that you have no idea how to defend yourself. So when you love someone, love it in a, in, in a moderate manner. Don't love someone to a degree that's not moderate, that Allah forbid, this guy becomes or this person becomes your enemy, that you're in trouble. And subhanAllah, we see this example where? In spouses, all the time. Every single day. How many divorces you and I are witnessing every single day. And of course, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's so sad to see that the secrets that were no one besides Allah and these two know, the whole community now knows. Because someone decided to use those secrets. It's a very cheap way. It's a very horrible way. And Allah is watching who is the oppressor and who is the oppressed. But they use those deepest, you know, most intimate of secrets. And they bring that out into the public. And then he says, Ali says, Make sure if you hold animosity against someone, that you hold that animosity to a moderate level. Don't hate someone to a degree that if one day he chooses, he wants to, and he does become your friend, that all your previous statements, hurtful statements, hurtful comments that you said, keep on ringing in his ear. He wants to come close to you. He has become your friend. But randomly now he just remembers what you said on such and such a day. Why do that? Don't ever burn your bridges. What an amazing, beautiful piece of advice of Ali radiallahu anhu for all of us. That in our relationships, make sure we take the middle ground. That we stick with moderation in anything we do. Subhanallah. So over here, we are learning from this story that don't trust, yani, whatever you see in front of you, it is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants it to be. A knife, Ismail salam story, it will work when Allah wants it to work. And if Allah wants it to stop working, it will stop working. Right? That's the idea. Fire will give you warmth and, and burn when Allah wants it. But in Ibrahim Asalam's story, when Allah pulled the plug on it, you can you imagine? You can pull the plug on, the, on heat from the fire. Humans can't do that. But Allah Azza wa can do that. You can pull the plug from a sharp knife. You can pull the plug from a, a sea filled with the most ferocious waves that it can immediately just become plain land for you to walk on. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable of doing that no other person is capable of doing, which is to make the source of benefit turn into harm. To t make the source of harm turn into benefit. That's the ultimate thing. Trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't think that what's the way out? That's what Musa salam's nation said. They said, Inna mudrakun. We're caught. We have the ocean in front of us. We have uh, Fir'aun behind us. We're done. We're caught. Musa tried to tell them, No, inna ma'ya rabbi, sayadeen. Indeed, there is my with me, my Lord. He shall guide us out of this path. <clears throat> and then, Musa, Nabi alayhi salatu salam, he is in with Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu in the cave. On the night of Hijrah, on the night of Hijrah, 
And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is telling Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, لا تحزن Do not grieve, do not be sad about the kuffar just there, just on top, he's there. They have to there look like five, six feet below. If they simply look down, they'll see two men hiding inside. <laughs> Imagine, subhanallah, the fear of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu for his life? Obviously not. The fear of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What will happen to the deen? What will happen to our Prophet What will happen to the deen if he, if he, gets, if he is <clears throat> now found? How are they going to drag him to Mecca? What type of difficulty will my Nabi go through? So he was grieving over this. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Indeed Allah is with us. He didn't say, what? He didn't say with me. Right? And Musa salam, he had hundreds of thousands behind him. He said, Allah is with me. He will guide me. Just, you just keep quiet and listen and follow behind me. When he came to Rasulullah one ummati of his, Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, he says, Allah is with us. And the ulama say, this is not exclusive. Although this ayah is definitely revealed about Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu and his honor is very clearly ex- uh, explained over here and understood from this ayah. But this is the virtue of the people of this ummah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will assist them, assist them the way He assisted the Prophets in the past. Because we have to do the work of the Prophets. We have to do the work of the Prophets. We're not here to just do ibadah. We didn't come here just pray Isha and leave. We have to change the world. We have to bring khair and goodness to the world. We have to help bring nur and to end the darkness. We have to bring light to every home. That's our job. And we don't rest until that's done. So what we're doing and what we've been asked to do and commanded to do is to do the work of prophets. And when you're doing the work of the prophets and you're giving da'wah to Muslims and non-Muslims and trying to change the environment, what's going to happen? You're definitely going to face opposition. You're definitely going to face opposition. You're definitely going to find people who are going to try to put obstacles on your path. What do you have to do at that time? You have to know that Allah is with me and Allah will help me. Allah hasn't left me alone. Nabi Lut stood up to his nation alone. Nabi Nuh stood up to his nation alone. Every single Nabi, when he invited people towards Islam, all thousands of Nabis, they were all one versus the rest. But they did not back down. They didn't get scared because they knew they had Allah's help with them. And that is the same type of feeling, conviction, every one of us is supposed to have. In yansurkum. If you help the deen of Allah, Allah will help you. And Allah will allow your feet to remain firm. The idea, the issue is, people are always afraid of what's going to happen. What's going to happen? You know why that fear is there? Because you're not feeling Allah's help with you. Why you're not feeling Allah's help with you, my beloved brother or sister, is because ask yourself, when was the last time you did something for the deen? When was the last time you did something, not for yourself, I'm not talking about your own prayer, your zakat, your fasting, and hajj, and sadaqah. No, for the general Muslim ummah. When was the last time you and I made a sacrifice for them? When was the last time you and I thought for the khair of the ummah? If we're not going to think along those lines, we cannot expect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help with us. And when you don't have Allah's help, then at the smallest chirping of a cricket, you're going to get scared. You say, what's that? What's going to happen? It's all over. It's all over. Why is it all over? Because fear is in your heart. Why are people so scared to dress in a certain manner today? To wear a kufi, <laughs> wear a mama, la ilaha illallah. We visited one community, subhanallah. You know, we should have amama jokes. Huh? Not your mama jokes, I said amama jokes. Alright? 
So we, we, the, the person after one of our students who was with me, he said he was very perturbed. I said, what happened? Why you look perturbed? He said, well, I don't know what to do. I said, what happened? He said, two people came up to me. and said, oh, you're, you are giving a talk and afterwards you're inviting people towards your institution, your seminary, telling them to join the winter intensive and the CETA conference and all of that stuff. You're marketing the programs. And you have a man speaking at the podium wearing a turban? How do you expect people ever going to come to your institution if you got people who are representing, marketing your institution wearing a turban? That is so unrelatable. Who's going to ever connect with them? They're going to run away from you. And they're going to run away from your institution. They get scared by looking at you. He said two people came and mentioned this dilemma. That how can you have people, you know, dressed in, in, in this certain type of clothing, speaking on the pulpit and inviting towards that. What is the answer, my friends? This is what it is. You know, the fear, fear, so much fear that a person cannot even stand up and say that I'm a Muslim and I'm proud to be a Muslim. When especially during a time when people are openly, proudly saying they don't have a gender. And they're proudly saying, you know, this and this and this and this and walk around, parading around and saying whatever they want. And the more weirder hair color you have, the more different you look, the more accepted you become. The more you are, you know, um, uh, 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 respected that my, you had the courage to be different you have the courage to come out and be different this is the time for us to say you know what I am going to have the courage to stand on the sunnah of Rasulullah you know every man has his own wish every man has his own way of lifestyle you do as you wish I'm none of my business I'm not going to sit there and criticize you but at the same time I'm going to be the way I want to and I hope you don't have an issue with that and guess what people won't I'm telling you, how can everyone is lost in their own يعمهون, People have become blind in their shahwa, in their lust. They're just sitting there partying in their own life. So if you end up, if you want to dress in a certain manner, pray in a certain manner, who's got the guts to tell you anything? He's, he's so worried about fulfilling his own lustful desires in his own XYZ issues. He has no time to look at you and to criticize the way you're dressing. So this is all an inferiority complex we're suffering ourselves. Why? Because we're not doing anything for the deen. If you do something for the deen, then Allah will assist you. And Allah says, "You thabbit aqdamakum." Allah will make your feet firm. You won't be scared. You won't be worried. You'll be the only man in the town. And but you'll be saying, "Alhamdulillah, ala ni'matil Islam." It's one, no problem. I'll establish my salah, and I will proudly represent the deen wherever I go. So that type of fervor of deen will come when we start getting out of our comfort zone. Today, our comfort zone is salah. Zakat, fasting, hajj. Brother, I'm doing the basics. Why do you need to do more than this? That comfort zone is not going to allow you to progress. Allah forbid, it actually, when things get difficult and challenging, you may lose your ground. Because you have not acceded and done what Nabi has created this ummah for, or rather I should say what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this ummah for, when Nabi passed on this, this lantern to us, Siraj Munira. Of, of becoming inviters towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Say, this is my path I invite towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. basira With farsightedness, with foresight, with wisdom. Ana, I do this. And whoever follows me, whoever claims to follow me, does the same. So when we, when we, at the end of each talk, at the beginning of each talk, what we always say, brother, invite people to, this, to the tafsir. Invite people to the masjid. Invite people for Salatul Isha. We want you to take the same aspect that do something for the deen. You're coming here, alhamdulillah, this is a huge blessing. But this is not it. You have to create within yourself this temperament that I'm not going to come alone. I will bring 20, 30 with me. Because that's what the Nabi would have won us to do. 
Because we are not the followers of Musa. We're not the followers of Dawood. We're not the followers of Suleiman. We're the followers of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And that's what people of Rasulullah do, is that they don't stay quiet. They don't stay to themselves, but rather they invite others as well. So my dear friends, what we see here in the Surah Al-Kahf here, that the sun, although it has a very set pattern, Allah Azza wa Jal decided to show us that the sun also is in a set pattern because I said so. And the day I tell the sun to rise from the west, that's exactly what's going to happen. And the day I tell the sun to do something else, that's what's happened. Let's look at these two Arabic words. One word is tazawar an kahfihim. And the other word is taqridhum. So tazawar comes from the word zur. Zur, if you know the word shahadat zur, which is like a false promise. Shahadat zur, false testimony. False testimony. Zur means jhut. Al-maylu anil haq. Lying. To turn away from the truth. Mail. Zur gives you the meaning, the Arabic meaning of al-maylu, which means to turn away. So this tazawur an kafihim means that this shams was turning away from the cave. Turning away from the cave. And then the word, the next word is taqriduhum. When it was setting, taqriduhum. Where was the word qard come from? What does it mean? Qard means to give a loan to someone. To fulfill their need of theirs. You give a loan. Al-qardu miqradul mahabba. As the saying goes, that a loan is miqrad is scissor. It's a scissor of love. A loan is what? <laughs> a scissor of love. Right? You want to ruin a relationship with someone? Ask him for a loan. So taqridhum. The Quran uses the word qard for the sun. That the sun is giving them a loan. They didn't deserve the sun to be moving away from them. But the sun out of Allah's command was nice to them and said, Guess what? I'm going to deviate from this path just for you all. It gave qard. It gave a, it gave a loan to these people. وَهُمْ فِي فَجْوَةٍ مِّنْ so this, I repeat again, is the crux of the entire surah. That to recognize the miracles, mu'jiza, like I told you, happen with the prophets. Karamat happen with the awliya. And there are other degrees and other, other words that we don't need to get into those, of a, super, a supernatural event that happens at the hands of a disbeliever, or that hands at the, at the hands of a magician, huh? at the hands of a fasiq. There are all different words for that. Uh, istidraj is there, irhas is there, and other things. For example, Dajjal is going to be doing miracle upon miracle upon miracle. What are you going to call that? You're not going to call that mu'jiza. You're not going to call that karama. Alright? This is irhas and istidraj. This is a way to mislead people. And he himself will be thinking that I am powerful through this. And the people will be falling into his trap. So, miracles happen. You may have a magician who does something, who plays. Actually, magic is different but now. Right? Magic is different. Magic is... Magic is no, it's not qalbul mahiyya. Magic is not where you actually change the stick into a snake. Instead, it says, the Quran says, يُخَيَّلُ It is made to appear. That's the Quran says, made to appear. It's called takhil. It's made to appear like that. When Musa salam's mu'jiza was not takhil. It wasn't made to appear like that. It actually turned into a snake. And that's why his snake ended up eating the rest of the fake snakes because that was a mirage. That was not a, they were not real snakes. That is why his snake ended up eating the rest because his was real and theirs was fake. So this is the difference between mu'jiza or karama and sihar and magic. In black magic, it is made to appear something is there when it's not there through the help of jinns and so forth. And through uh, uh, in, 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 in karama and mu'jiza, Allah actually changes the Ingredients, the mahiyya, the whole nature of something 
changes. So this, this ayah is telling us the karamatul awliya'i haqqun. Basically, the, 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 the aqidah that we study, that the miracles of the awliya are what? Are true. We have to believe that. We have to believe the miracles of the pious people are true. Why? Share, share these incidents and then we do something with that, some bid'ah or what? No, my friends. The reason why you understand that is because we need miracles in the future and now. In order to say, you know, you say, Yar, how did you raise your kids? It's a miracle. Look at how your kids turned out. It's a miracle how you are able to achieve this. It's a miracle how your wife able to achieve that. Guess what? You're right. It is a miracle. And in order to survive in this day and age, you need a miracle. In order to have your children on Iman, in order to die with Iman, it's such a hard time we're going through right now, and it's only going to get more challenging. You need miracles to be able to survive. So you better get ready to become a wali. What's a wali? Not someone who flies on a broom or flies on his musalla. That's not a wali. A wali is someone whose life is in accordance to the sunnah all the time. His life is in accordance to the sunnah all the time. He is a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that wali, Allah azza wa jal, will allow him at times to show karamat, miracles. For what? For his own protection? Or to bring people closer to the deen? So my beloved friends, Dajjal is going to be coming with some, some of his crazy magic. In order to survive that magic, you'll need what? You'll need some karamat. You will need some miracles. And that miracles are going to come through awliya, if you're awliya. So we have no option but to become a wali of Allah. And the wilaya comes not through anything but through the sunnah of Rasulullah Hence, you have heard me say this before, that the karama of every wali in reality is a mu'jizah of the Prophet. The karama of every wali, every miracle that a wali does, in reality, is a miracle of the Prophet. Why so? Because that wali would not have been able to do a karama unless and until he had made his life in accordance to the sunnah of the, of the Nabi. Got it? So every miracle that any wali, any shaykh in the past, in the present, or in the future, scholar, normal person, anyone who does anything, it all goes back to Rasulullah Had that person not followed the sunnah, he would have never been able to do that. Okay? And what is one of the greatest karamat? One of the greatest karamat that you and I can have in our life is istiqamah. Steadfastness. Al-istiqamatu fawqa al-fi karamah. Very famous saying. Steadfastness is more virtuous than 1,000 miracles. People get excited about, oh, you heard this and that. Those are nice miracles. But the biggest miracle that we all need in our lives, and I pray that Allah gives it to you and gives it to me and gives it to our loved ones, is steadfastness. Whatever you're doing, take one action and don't give it up. Whatever it happens, just don't give it up. When a person understands that these people went to sleep for 300 plus years, that's a karama. That the fact that their body turned on its own, that's a karama. The fact that their eyes remained open, that's a karama. The fact that they didn't die out of hunger or anything else, that's a karama. Huh? And the fact that the sun evaded them, that's a karama. And so many more karamas. This story is about karamat. And it's telling us that stop becoming skeptical of karamat. Don't become skeptical. If you know people have allergy, allergic. Today they have allergic reaction if you give a khutbah about karama. Even if one story, I've seen people walk out. I said, oh, there was a sheikh saw a dream. I literally see people walking out. And people say, you saw, I see. This is the problem. Get ready for it. If you can't stand to listen to a dream and you get allergic to it, what's going to happen when you or your children face the job? If a simple story that a person put had barakah, he, he read dua in the water and the water, the whole crowd drank from it. You have a problem with that? How are you going to handle the fitnas of tomorrow? 
You, your mind and our mind needs to become accustomed to this. That Forget the shaykh or forget anyone. The fact is, he's not doing it because he's God. He's doing it because he's following the sunnah of Rasulullah and it's Allah's qudra in that water. Allah's qudra in that money. Allah's qudra in whatever the case may be. He put his hand on someone and Allah gave him shifa. Right? He gave him something to eat or drink and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him shifa. What is all this? These are karamat that are happening because a person is obedient to Allah and his Rasul. What is he inviting you? Is he inviting you towards himself? Then definitely there's something wrong with him. We don't follow such people like that. If he's inviting towards himself. He's inviting towards Allah and his Rasul sallallahu then you and I should not be allergic to a karama. And I'm alluding to the karama that like for example, people, people say, you know, this, the, the stories, you know, from, from, from books of fadail, and say, Stories, don't, we don't want to hear stories. Okay, let me ask you one thing. What is the reason you're saying that? What is the reason you're saying that? Is it because you're saying it might not be authentic? On what basis do you even, do you have, what do you know about authenticity? Let's see, let's discuss this. What, how much effort have you done to, to figure out the authentication of this story? Or is it, are you saying that it might be authentic, but I just have a hard time swallowing things like this. If you have an issue with authenticity, no problem, I'll give it to you. You can discuss authenticity. But you cannot say, I have a hard time swallowing a story of a miracle. Because miracles and the existence of it is part of our aqidah. It's in the Quran, right over here. This whole story. None of these, no one says these people were prophets, right? They were just young men. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed a beautiful miracle to happen at their hands. Like Maryam, who was not a prophet. When he went there, Zachariah, he found season, out of season fruits. And many other miracles happened, of course, at her hands, even though she was not a prophet. So we, we learn from these stories that believing in a miracle is part of our deen. And do not become allergic to Allah's qudra, which you usually don't see. This is why I'm highlighting this again and again and again, because I really think this is the crux of everything today. Not today's tafsir, but like the issues of today. Is that people have a hard time believing Allah can do things supernaturally. Please have a hard time. Don't, don't say yes to this haram job, Allah will give you a better job. Just make dua. Come on, man. Yeah, what are you talking about? I'm waiting for five, ten years. I didn't get it. What do you use this? Why are you saying that? Right, brother, live without interest and Allah will take care of your life. Oh, how can you live without interest? By wean yourself off of music and you can live. Wean yourself off of XYZ. He said, How can you do it? There's a whole, everyone's doing it. How can you say you, you're going to wean yourself off of that? So people have falsely put themselves into these prisms, put themselves into these boxes that these, this is how the world runs. And without this, the world cannot run. I remember one person, you know, I shared the story also possibly when I was studying abroad. The dudwala who used to come in the morning bring dud to our madrasa. I, you know, one day I just started chatting with him and I said, You put water in it. You know, just asking. I was just straight up, just ask the guy. You put water inside the milk? What does he tell me? He said, He said, how, how can you run a business without mixing milk and water together? When the whole marketplace is filled with counterfeit. How can I be the only guy who's going to sell pure milk and lose money on that? Get it? There you go. I know the whole market is like that. I know everyone's cheating. But you have to have trust that if you even sell half of what the others are selling, or if you sell it with 50, 100%, 200% less profit, wallahi, at the end you're going to be ahead of the rest. You're going to have something called barakah. You're going to have a much nicer life. You're going to have a much happier life. All those people who are defrauding the government, with various ways, defrauding people with various ways. Hold on, where do they end? Let's see how long their happiness will last.
Huh? How long the happiness will last? Those who defraud people, how far are you going to run? How far are you going to hide? Eventually, the, the, the curses of the people will catch up to a person. Right? Eventually, the zulm that people do with, with all this haram will catch up to a person. This is the yaqeen that we have to have. That I am going to lead a halal lifestyle. My children will lead a halal lifestyle. At all costs. And I know I will come out successful. These, these young men, what did they do? They left the luxuries of the palace and where did they migrate to? A cave. They had trust in Allah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of our, our needs. Then the Quran tells Rasulullah that this is uh, the sign of Allah. This is not the only sign. There are many, many great signs like this. But will everyone reflect? Man yahdillah. Whoever Allah guides, he will immediately be able to reflect and say, that makes sense. I got that. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not hold someone's hands and guide them directly, then what will happen? They will not be able to find the right path. Let's speak about this a little bit over here. Some ulama have said that this ayah, this is giving Rasulullah some comfort. This ayah is telling Rasulullah that you've tried your best, like going back to the first, first few verses that we did, right? That you may end up killing yourself over the sorrow that the fact that they're not believing. The Quran is telling us here that their belief, their belief and their guidance and misguidance in the hands of Allah. You don't need to worry about this. You try your best. If they are misguided, don't beat yourself over on your back. Allah makes Allah Allah knows best. You tried your best. So this is what this means. Number two is that Muhtadi is actually praising the people of the people of the cave that these are people who were guided rightly guided and mashallah they were able to find the right path and number 3 if you want to say is muhtadi speaking about all of us that whoever reflects on the signs that happen in his life then it's because you're reflecting because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed you to reflect mathalan a brother who, who sponsored the team Fajr a few weeks ago. He messaged me on Friday. He said, I just want to share a story with you. Alhamdulillah, after I sponsored team Fajr, Allah Azawajal gave me an immediate raise at home. Uh, his, his spouse got a raise. He said, so much barakah immediately came within a couple weeks after I had sponsored the, the, uh, the breakfast on Saturday morning. The fact that he made this connection, where did that come from? That came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That was a sign. But many people will never, they'll never think that it's their sadaqah that brought barakah to their life. They will just think, yeah, I was waiting for this application. I'm just waiting. It's about time to give me a raise. Now I can say, why didn't you have a raise for all these years? Why it just came right now? You see what I'm saying? The, the ability to connect the dots in your life. To say, I spoke ill to my parents and this is what happened. Who does that? The one who was guided. I remember one person, he came to me sharing his very sad story about his, how his life fell apart. And he, it was a really, really sad story. And I was very moved by that. And I was trying to console him. But then he started telling me himself. He said, I deserve this. Everything that happened to me, I deserve it. And I willingly accept this. Because I have hurt my parents immensely. And I know what goes around, comes around. Allah is making me cry now. But I'd rather face the retribution and punishment of it in this world than face it in the hereafter. So I gladly accept what Allah sends my way because I deserve this. I said, subhanAllah, you should feel very blessed that Allah SWT allowed you to recognize that. 
How many people do not recognize these things and continue to go on the path of disobedience, be it to Allah, be it to their parents, or be it to whoever else, and they continue to bring the wrath of Allah on their, on their side, upon themselves, without even realizing what they're doing. So the, the ability to connect the dots in your life, my beloved friends, is from Allah. That's what means. Notice the translation, like I said, does Allah forcefully misguide someone? No. Whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He leaves to stray. Gumrah, He leaves him. He leaves him. He doesn't hold him. He doesn't hold his hand. He leaves him going astray. So now this, why is it very important to understand this translation? Someone may say, oh the Quran is saying that oh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala misleads people. That's why I'm not coming for tafsir. I'm not coming for isha. That's why I don't, I don't follow halal. Because Allah chose to mislead me. You've heard this, right? How many, we all have heard people say that. You know, Hidayat is not meant for me. That's why I'm like this. Right? What is the answer to these people? How come you only speak about punishment and adab? You're only saying, I'm misguided because Allah wanted me to be misguided. Why don't you look at the first portion of the ayah? That Allah guides whoever He wants to guide. Why can't you prove yourself to say, no, I'm going to be guided. I'm going to be guided. No, you yourself are choosing disobedience and then you're blaming it upon Allah. You have the full right right now to say, no, I'm going to come to Isha and I'm going to come to Fajr and I'm going to recite Quran and I'm going to stay away from Haram because I want Allah Azza wa Jal. I'm going to force my Hidayah. Go ahead, do it. Why is it that we are only speaking about punishment? That how come punishment is forced upon us? Why no one says, how come Jannah is forced upon all you all lot? Huh? How come Jannah is forced upon you all who pray fast, who have good character, who don't backbite, who don't cheat, who don't lie? How come this is not fair? No one says that, right? No one focuses on the good. Like, like I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, I said that, um, uh, that some people say, how come it's not fair that you commit sins for 80 years and go to hellfire forever? But no one says it's, it's unfair that you, you do good deeds for 80 years and go to Jannah forever. So this is the misguidance that a person actually chooses. So let's explain Hidayah now. Hidayah is of two types. One is called Hidayatul Dalala. One is called Hidayatul Ma'una. Hidayatul Dalala is the Hidayah of showing the path. Showing the path, or what we call Ira'atul Tariq. You've studied in books. Ira'atul Tariq, show the path. Hidayatul Dalala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows the path to believers and disbelievers, both. The masjid is here. Every person passing by North Avenue, he's getting hidayah to Dalala. He sees it right in front of him every day. Although it's sad, subhanAllah, one of the brothers was mentioning they went to go visit one of the homes a mile away. Three, three family members, they said, subhanAllah, they have never stepped foot in this masjid, never even been here. One mile away. That just tells you how much work is to be done in our own neighborhoods, in our own apartment buildings, in our subdivisions. So iratul tariq is there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guy shows the path to believers and non-believers, both. That's there. The second level of hidayah is called hidayatul ma'una, or another word is, what's the other word? Isal ila al-matloob. Isal ila al-matloob. Which means that you hold someone's hand and you take him to the final destination. That happens only to the believers. Those who really want it. Does it, does it make sense? This is why when our students pass out flyers outside of Jummah or after, I tell them, don't force it down upon anyone. You make an announcement, this is the flyer for the winter intensive, this is the flyer for the Sira conference taking place on November 12th at Darul Salam. You do iraat al-tari, show the path. That person has to show some talab. 
He has to make the effort of to picking up the flyer from you. Otherwise, how is Hidayah going to come? You cannot force deen upon people. The Quran says, Do you expect me to force Iman down your throat while you don't want it? The Quran says that. Do you expect me to stick Iman to you while you don't want it? That's not going to happen. You have to show talab. What does the Quran say? Allah pulls towards himself whoever he wishes. And guides whoever turns to him. So we must turn to Allah to get guidance. So let's not think Allah is actively misleading anyone. Let's get this clear. There's two types of hidayah. Hidayah, hidayah to dalala, showing the path is for everyone. And then those who say, oh, I'm interested. Okay, I'll show you. I'll show you how to get into the masjid. You're interested? You, you turn into the parking lot, we'll have signs there for you. Where's the women's entrance? Where's the men's entrance? Where's the parking? When you enter the masjid, there'll be someone there to welcome you. There you go. Right? So when you make the first step towards Allah, then Allah Azza wa will definitely welcome you. And this is what the Quran says. That those who choose to come towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah Azza wa will pave the path towards ease. But we have to make the effort. My beloved brothers, whatever you want to do in life, just make niyyah. There's a brother who met me two days ago. He said, I met him five years ago in his masjid in another state. He apparently came and saw the construction of the seminary which was about to start. And he apparently asked me some things. And I, and, he, and I said, why don't you just move? If you really are so interested, you come one day. If you can't study now, move one day. So he met me two days ago and he said, subhanAllah, that was five years ago. I moved here a year ago. Then I was able to find a house right now this week next to the masjid. And now I've been blessed to be a regular musalli and to be a volunteer here. And my kids are connected. And I cannot be more thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How did that happen? He made Nia five years ago. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put everything into place. I'm seeing that with so many people every single week, mashallah, tabarak wa ta'ala. Every week we have someone moving to the community. Alhamdulillah. Whether it's from out of state or from different parts of this state. And you see that some of them, it took them five years to come. Some of them took them three years to come. Some of them took a year. But they all had a sincere intention that we want Allah. We want to have an environment where we can raise our children appropriately, properly. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala miraculously made the ways for them. And if the person chooses to go the other way, you can never find him. You can never find an assistance for him. The Quran says, Moreover, you find them awake. I already explained this to you, how they were made to awake. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turned them from one side to the other. Why was this happening? One is to create within the sense of anyone who comes there, that these people are awake. Another thing the ulama explained of tafsir, is to make, protect them from having bed sores, right? Because if there are going to be just these ones, turn this one, sorry. someone please turn on the fence. So the, 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 there are people who have fallen asleep also, inshallah. So the, the, the circulation of air, huh? Yeah, circulation of air will help us stay awake. You know who you are. So, <laughs> besides, otherwise, maybe just keep small bottles of water that I can throw at people who are. Fall asleep. Inshallah, the chai is coming. So, uh, so Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He changed, He allowed them to turn from side to side. Why? So that, one of the ulama say the tafsir is that, so that they would be protected from bed sores, to have the circulation going on. Okay? And then, their dog was there. So much to say. May Allah put barakah in our time. Say ameen. And allow me to cover the most important aspects that I want to share today. وَكَلْبٌ بَاسِطٌ Their dog was there. 
Their dog, ulama say, that was a dog that was in the desert that followed along them. Not necessarily their dog per se that was with them at home, but rather a stray dog that followed them because they got food and they're in the desert and you got food, let's, let's get it from you. So they, let's, go, let's go and you know, follow behind. Like you go see in overseas, you'll see every dog will become yours. If you're walking around with some food, they'll come all after you. And uh, hundreds of cats will become yours. If you really love cats and dogs, right? You just go over there. And then, and then when, one day you give, give up. You say, ah oh, man, this is it. I'm tired of these things. SubhanAllah. So this dog just happened to follow them. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this dog in the Quran. And this is no Quran. The Quran is not complete without the mention of the word dog. Believe it or not. And so you learn from this that do not name your child by just opening up the Quran blindly and putting your finger on any word. As some people do. Are bhai, kalb finger. To chalo, khalas, call my son kalb. Kalbuhum. Right? So I remember one day when my ustad actually said this. He said it was in one masjid overseas. He, was, he met someone. Tashkil time. Writing down names. Bhai, He said, Zakum Khan. Zakum is actually the name of the tree in Jahannam. He literally, he was named Zakum Khan. The Quran says this is the tree Its branches look like the faces of shaitan That's how ugly and evil this tree is Bichara was named Zakum So this happens sometimes Because people say Let's just open it up and find something interesting uh, And they don't, I guess they didn't have a translation at that time When they, when they, when they do these things So here you go Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made mention of the word dog here Even though it's najis even though it's, it is uh, for only for exceptional reasons, besides that, a person should not, be, should not, should not domesticate them or keep them, keep them with the, 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 the wafa and the love of a dog. No one questions that. The uh, ability that uh, a muhabbah that a dog has, no one questions that. But uh, actually, our Ustad, Mufti Al-Aqsab, he has a lot of sifa. He has a whole talk on this. A whole talk on the qualities of a dog. All the good qualities of a dog. Mufti Al-Aqsab has a whole discussion on this. Uh, and the sifat of a dog, good sifat. As well as good sifat of a horse and things of that sort from al-adiyat. Why is this? So we just accept, I'm mentioning this because people say, oh the Quran, hadith says this is najis. My beloved friends, now you have the Maliki school for everything. Anything, the, before when I was growing up, it was a Shafi school. Because people didn't know any Shafi's that time. You know? So they would say, oh I'm eating non-Zabiha meat because it's according to, Sh- I'm Shafi. You're, wait, where did you become a Shafi from? And I remember this, I hearing this from school. You know, non-Zabiya chicken is makru, non-Zabiya meat is haram, and this is for Shafis. Bichara, Imam Shafi gets blamed for all the stuff that people want to do. That was in the 90s. Now the latest one, the latest scapegoat for all the people's nafs is who? Imam Malik. Because now you find less Malikis. So say, no, oh, Malik, oh, I don't know about this. Huh? He said, you can do this, you can do that, you can do this, you can do that. So, you know, people will go find some Shafi opinion within the Maliki school, Alright, an opinion that maybe not be practiced upon by majority of the Malikis, and there's very hard to find Maliki scholars in abundance the way you find, for example, Hanafi or Shafi'i scholars, and they will use that opinion. This is the this is tamwih of shaitan. This is shaitan playing tricks with average people. It's all ittiba'ul hawa, my friends. Following hawa. And Sufism too. Mis- misrepresentation of Sufism. Okay, but there's no aspect of ihsan and tasawwuf in a person's life. No dhikr, no salah. Only thing is he saw on Google and he typed up Sufi, he saw people dancing. So khalas. This is where I'm going to get dancing and music from. I can dance and I can listen to music because I'm Sufi. Right? So this is what we're speaking about. People, they're using their nafs and their hawa to go find wrong things. And shaitan is playing along with them very well. That's why our ustad used to tell us and our teachers told us that when you study the text, the matan, the text in the book, the shaitan, he is, he is, 
He is studying with you the footnotes. What is he doing? Hashiya parra. Shaitan aapke saath hashiya parra. While you're studying, while you are studying the text, Shaitan is studying the footnotes. Remember this, what I just said. Alright? So, meaning the more knowledge we get, the more doubts also come into our mind. And the more loopholes also come to our mind. Where are those loopholes coming from? That's shaitan making mutala all night of the commentaries and the footnotes to see how he can deceive me and you. Right? It's true. That's how it is. So, the kalb, the dog, we take whatever the deen says. If a person has a personal love for a dog, there's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to how we keep that dog, we have to follow the deen. It's got to be kept outside. Not to be in the same room, in the same house, for example. Take care of it. There's nothing issue with that. If it's a guard dog or, you know, or etc. Those type of things. But nonetheless, the fact that this is still najis, doesn't change it. If it, it's saliva, it's najis and things of that sort. The Qur'an mentions this in the Qur'an. Uh, it mentions it because of the barakah and the blessing of suhbah, companionship. The fact that this dog was tagging along with them, it got its name mentioned honorably in the Qur'an. And so the ulama say, a dog can be honored by companionship. Imagine a Muslim like you and I. If we choose the right companions, and if we choose the right people to hang around with, why will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not raise us with such people? Why will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not put us with such people? Al-mar'u ma'aman ahabba. A man will be with the one who he loves. A man will be raised with the one who he loves. Imam Abu Hanifa's famous poem, I love the pious, although I'm not from amongst them. I'm hopeful Allah will grant me piety. So loving the pious people is part of our deen. Trying to find their companionship and having our sons and daughters be compan- have good, pious, righteous companions is one of the most integral parts of safety in this day and age. The Prophet said, a person follows the deen, uh, uh, a person follows the deen of his friend, be careful, uh, a person follows the deen of his friend, so be careful who you befriend. Right? Alright? So this is, when youth ask, what is the need of, uh, what is the best way for me to say, stay on Islam? And the elders say the same thing. We're going to say, make sure you choose your friends. Even, not just youngsters, as adults. Make sure we hang around with people who will encourage us to do good. Every one of us uh, who is sitting here today, or listening, wherever you may be right now, ask yourselves, are you not listening? And are you not sitting here because of someone's encouragement? Are you not sitting here? And are, not you, are you not listening to this? Because of someone having had a good impact on your life in the past. If it wasn't for that good companionship, more than likely, you and I would not be here. So this is the lesson from Kalb that we learn from here. Basitun dira'ahim. It is not turning from left to right. So some scholars have mentioned in the books of Tafsir, and I will leave it to the experts, but I'm telling what is mentioned there, that Allah Azza wa Jal has uh, created, apparently, you know, the, the dog differently from the human being in many ways. And one of those ways is that if a dog were to sit in one position for a long time, it will not create those same sores that a human being would have. And hence, this is, has led to the Islam of certain people who studied this ayah with this very, you know, they were just studying this ayah and they came across, across this. The fact that the people are turning, but the dog is no mention of it turning. Why? 
And so this physician mentioned that it is because of the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created these two uh, makhluqat and two creations differently. One that requires this, uh, the blood circulation to be in a, such a manner that, you know, turning from side to right to left. And another makhluq that is d- created in a different manner. Allah knows best. But one thing we do understand is the Qur'an is a guidance for everyone. So there are people who can take guidance from the superficial meaning of the Qur'an. And there are certain people who, div- who, dig, who, dug, who dig deep, who dig deep into the Qur'an and dive deep into the Qur'an. And then they find something, one point there that leads them to Islam. Right? And there's there's uh, many incidents I have come across of people who, who are background, who have background in science, for example, or background in biology. And they just, one verse of the Qur'an they read, and they studied it from a manner that we would never have thought about. And they looked at it from a whole different perspective, with a whole different lens, and they said, that's it. This cannot be the statement of a human being. This has to be the statement of the Lord of the worlds. So Allah Azawajan says that you would have been filled up with fear from there. Another, uh, another uh, point here about the dog is that whatever condition came upon them, came upon him as well, this dog. Meaning, the dog was through the barakat of suhbah. Not only was his name mentioned, but guess what? He was all to be able to alive for 300 plus years. Right? And was able to, you know, come back alive. 300 plus years. So when we are with pious, righteous people, we will enjoy the blessings that they have. Isn't that beautiful? Right? When we're with the righteous, pious people, we'll enjoy the blessing they have. So unfortunately, this is what we're lacking right now. Right? The, the desire to be in the company of the pious. Instead, shaitan, what he makes us do? He makes us scorn people who are ahead of us in the deen. He say you're trying to act all pious. Why are you saying that? But people will say, oh, just because you're dressed in a manner, you think better than me? Just because your wife is dressed like this, she thinks she's better than me? Where are you getting all this stuff from? This is shaitan who puts this inferiority complex in the brain. But there's no reason. You should say, Alhamdulillah, I'm, uh, I'm motivated by the fact that you are this. I want to become like this. I want to spend time with you. Instead of, you know, finding fault in people who are ahead of us in the deen. Next ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they, uh, when, he, when, he, when they got up, they began to ask one another, how long did you stay? So there were two, two groups. Some said, some said, uh, you know, half a day or a day. Some said, uh, much longer. How, uh, so let's, let's, t- let's take a story of Uzair um, alayhi salam. Mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah. What happens over there? The Quran says, <laughs> that قَالَ كَمْ He asked, how long did you sleep? قَالَ لَبِثُ يَوْمًا يَوْمٍ I slept a day or half a day or portion of the day. قَالَ Uzair was told, You've actually slept here for a hundred years. Now he's thinking that it's a very short time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling him it's a hundred years. How do you balance this? What is it? What was it? Is it a day or is it a hundred? A hundred years. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then showed the proof. He said, Look at your food and drink. Has it gone bad? It has not gone bad. So, it means what you're saying is also right. One day. You've been sleeping for one day. Wonder la hamarik, but look at your donkey. What happened? He looked at his donkey, and the donkey, all the bones even had disintegrated. So now that's, that is telling you a hundred years. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought two opposite things together. That he, he literally did tadakhul. He brought two dimensions of time together. Two dimensions of time 
together. You look at the food, it hasn't gone bad. That tells you a day. And you think it's a day. And then the donkey, you look at it, it's definitely 100 years old. And, and, what the, so, and how did this happen? This is the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who in one instance can bring two opposite things together. Now you will understand how the day of judgment for some people will be as long as 50,000 years long. And for others it will be the time between Asr and Maghrib. How does that happen? Right? That is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who controls the way you feel. Look at this temperature. I'm feeling hot and he's feeling cold. We can't customize it right now. Right? But the time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala customizes it. For some people, a dars may seem so long. And the other person says, Bye, where did it happen? This, this was too quick. How did that happen? Right? That's like me. I was like, well, how did, where did my time go? <laughs> right? And the rest of you, I don't know what, what side you're on. <laughs> so, the time is such, it's a makhluk of Allah. Allah can adjust it to each person individually. And when we come to the, the Jali era, all of this is mentioned. The time will be going very fast. A month will be like a week. A week will be like a day. A day will be like an hour. An hour okay? A year will be like a month. That's what's going to happen. And within 40 days, he will take over the world. All of this, when the Sahaba heard all this, they didn't say, oh, Dajjal, oh, is it going to be a system? Is it going to be a phone? Is it going to be this? That? The first thing that, what did the Sahaba ask? Huh? huh? How will we pray? How will we pray? Subhanallah. The mind is always going towards salah. If the day is going to be so long, namaz kaisi yogi. That's all we want to know right now. That's the most important thing. How will we pray when the day will be so long? How do we calculate five times a day? Do we play hundreds of times? Five fajrs, five zohars? Or do we pray just once? Or how? That was your question. Subhanallah. Right? That's the reason, that's the question, practical questions you and I should be asking about. The Quran says they discussed amongst themselves how long did you stay? Then, one group said, leave it. Allah knows best how long you stayed. Meaning, stop discussing useless things. Focus on the crux of deen. Don't discuss things that are not relevant. Although this is exactly what shaitan makes it enjoyable for us to talk about. Things that have no relevancy in our life. That we will not be asked about in the, question, in the grave. It's a famous example. They say it's reality. What was the color of the dog of the people of the cave? This is the question. How many were they? How a type of dog was he? Fulan, fulan. Was it a he or a she? Right? So all these type of questions, this is absolutely not relevant to, to any of us. This is called ilmun la yanfa. This is knowledge which is of no benefit. Ask Allah for beneficial knowledge. Can you imagine we've actually been taught to seek refuge in Allah from useless knowledge? Can you imagine that? Yeni ka ki Allah, just give me beneficial knowledge. We've been taught to ask Allah protection from useless knowledge. Ya Allah, I seek refuge in you from useless. The useless information. You know when we post on WhatsApp, the what I'm posting is The person is going to receive it. Am I because it's amana? Your time is amana. If I post a message to hundred people, five minutes it takes to read the article I shared. Four minutes it takes to watch the video I shared. That's hundred plus, and then he's going to share it. That's 400 minutes right there. Are you, you're going to be answerable and I'm going to be answerable to Allah Azza wa Jalla. Was that 400 minutes? Are you, going to, are, you going to, are, you, are you going to stand up on the day and say, Ya Allah, yes. Those 400 minutes plus that they're going to send to another 10 people, 4,000 very soon. Was that worth it? So before you forward an article or a message, ask yourself, what is the benefit to the recipient about this? You might be interested in various recipes of chocolate cake. But you know, 
MashaAllah, if you really care about us, cook it and bring it here. We'll taste it. Right? We have the chai to stall outside. You're more than welcome to bring as many recipes you like to, the chai, to, to, our, to our chai stall outside. You know, Snacks, with the snacks. But don't sit there and forward it. I'm giving you an example. So our interest may not be of everyone's interest. So we will save a lot of time if we do not forward random videos out there. And then Allah Azawajal says, they said, let's go and this is the money. Go get the most halal food. Notice as soon as they came out of their sleep, what happened? They became their normal self now. And when you're normal self, what happens? You become hungry. Right? The special protection is gone. Jalo. Now you have to, you need your, you need your food. When they went to the food, first thing, make sure, he didn't say laziz, achaho. They said, kya ho? Halal. Pure. What's the point, man? We ran away from all of this. We ran, if we're going to go eat haram, what's the point? That's why you're going for Umrah and Hajj, be careful where you eat. If you didn't believe, and you said blindly, I'm going to do whatever happens over here, then dot, 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 dot. Then you got to do anything that they're doing over there. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go look at it, Google it. See what's going on, in, un unfortunately, 20 minutes from the Masjid Al-Haram, 20 minutes from Masjid Al-Nabawi. You cannot make that the standard. You cannot make that the standard. That if it's served there, I remember in one of the Arab airlines I was traveling, I asked for a vegetarian. See, look at that. They didn't say, yeah. no, then she wants to argue with me. Why are you not taking our halal meal? Because I don't want it. I just want an Asian vegetarian. But it's halal. We are a Muslim airline. Why would it not be halal? Hello, for the past seven years, you have received the best wine in the skies award. And you're a Muslim airline. So how does that match? I don't care if you're a Muslim-owned airline. The fact that they have the best wine in the sky award. You know what I'm talking about? There's no, you don't know what I'm speaking about. They, 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 all right, so... Yeah, I know you and I don't choose airlines based on that. But, but it's there. You know, I'm interested in these things, so I just, I just see it. That these airlines, they receive, there's a grading of their seats, there's grading on their on-time performance, and there's grading on the type of wine they serve in the plane. So most of our Middle Eastern Muslim airlines, unfortunately, they're up there first and second, year after year after year after year, for the best wine in the sky. So you're telling me, because you're a Muslim airline, I have to accept the meat you're serving here. And with the same hand, you're serving alcohol to everyone around me. What does that have to do? So let's, that is not an excuse. What I'm trying to say, let's not be so naive. Oh, they were boarding. We're going to, you know, Arab country. So everything's halal there. With that type of naiveness, you're going to really end up in major problems. So when you're going for Umrah and Hajj, be very careful what you eat. Be, care, be careful about everything, including what you eat. And in, don't, do not have a blanket... Statement that said everything that happens here and everything that is served here is 100% halal. That's just foolish. And if you didn't believe that, well now look at what's happening. Hopefully you'll understand that it's definitely, unfortunately, not a golden standard by any means. Then he says, when you go get rizq, make sure you do not cause a storm. Don't go screaming, I want my burger, screaming there. Do so gently. Every aspect has to be gently. This is, ulama have said this. فَلْيَأْتِكُمْ بِرِسْكَمْ has a fa. فَلْيَنْظُرْ أَيُّهَا سْكَ has a fa. Right? فَبْعَثُ وَحَدَكُمْ has a fa. Go send one of you. Go look for the food. Go bring the food. And then wow comes in. وَلْيَطَلَطَفْ And be gentle. No fa. Why? Because the gentleness needs to be present in all three conditions. The gentleness needs to be present in all situations. It's not just gentleness and quietness at the last end when you're picking up the food. The entire journey outside of the cave and back, you have to do it stealthily. So there's two explanations of Yatalattaf. 
One yatalattaf is latif means soft. That when you buy and sell, be easy and kind. The Prophet ﷺ made dua for the person, إِذَا بَعَ إِذَا إِبْتَعَ When he buys and he sells, he is soft and kind. Don't be harsh on the customer. Don't be harsh on the seller. Let it go. Five cents, ten cents, a dollar, two dollars. Don't make a big deal about it. This is how you get the mercy of Allah by being easy going in buying and selling. And that's one explanation. But more famous explanation obviously is وَلِيَتَلَطَّفْ is that be, uh, you know, don't, don't expose yourself. Be, be, do, do it gently so that you are not known. Very important point. Our youth need to understand. Practice your deen. But do it with wisdom. Don't do things that will unnecessarily attract un, you know, unwanted attention towards yourself. I'm not saying don't wear a thobe or wear a topi or a kurta or amama. That's fine. But saying things, oh, no, I have to speak the haq. Right? Imam Ghazali writes this in Bidayatul Hidayah. He's a shaitan sometimes will make you say the most wrong things at the most wrong time to cause harm. And he will do so. He'll make you do it thinking that you're speaking the haq. And you'll stand up and in the middle of a khutbah, as I've seen before. Brother, you're saying something wrong. The khatib is speaking and the man is screaming from the back. He's thinking he's doing right. He's actually been deceived by shaitan. If you have to correct the khatib, this is not the time and place to do it. You're going to cause a fitna. People will walk away. People will understand. What are you going to do about this? Are you, are you in position? An authority? Are you the administrator? If you're not, then you just don't do anything. You just report it to the administrator that this is what the khutbah in such and such place happened. If you want to take it up to a further scale, escalate it, you do it afterwards. But this is one who has been deceived by shaitan. He says, no, I'm not going to keep quiet. I don't, I'm not afraid of the haq. Right? Well, he doesn't understand he's being played by shaitan. So my beloved students and brothers, when we want to follow the deen, any type of deen, we don't need to be loud. You know, they say, the whole philosophical discussion, if, a tree, if, if no one heard the tree falling in the jungle, did it actually fall, right? So that discussion nowadays is like, if it's not on Instagram, did it really happen? Right? If an event is not live streamed on Facebook, did it really happen? Not every single thing we have to make sure about. Not every single thing we have to make a lot of noise about. Some of the best things in life are kept hidden. So if you use this wisdom that our elders and our mashayikh have taught us, you'll get a lot of work done. One statement of Mawlana Ilyas Umar Yusuf beautiful statement, subhanAllah. Such vision they had. And I've shared this before with you that read the letters of Mawlana Yusuf. Read the letters of Mawlana Ilyas You want to learn wisdom? You learn it from them. And they were translated in English. But one of the things was he said, okay, he said the work that you do should be a hundred years ahead and the, 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 the shore and the knowledge about it and the talk on the town about it should be a hundred years back. Meaning, like the, when, you have, when you break the sound barrier, the Concorde jet or the you know, F-22 runs in front of you and then after two seconds or five seconds or 15 seconds you look up and then you hear, you hear the sound. Yeah, That's how the deen work is supposed to be. We don't always have to be announcing everything, making a big deal. Wherever you want to do something in your musallah, you want to do something in your MSA, you quietly just build relationships with people, work on one-on-one, one-on-one. You don't have to have a big bang event all the time. Right? But subhanAllah, later on people will remember you a hundred years later. That wow, what an amazing, this whole town has changed because of him. This whole area has changed because of her. Right? And when you were actually doing the work, no one really knew you. 
So this is very beautiful advice that we learn from here, that if you want to do the work of deen, not necessarily always attract attention towards yourself. If they, do, if, if they find out, they'll do two things. Either they will pelt you to death, or they will force you to leave Islam. Allah Azza wa says, then we, we, we made the people of that time come across them. And then now, what was the reason Allah made this miracle happen? Very important point. I want you to highlight. To know that Allah's promise is always true. My beloved brothers and sisters, Allah will never, ever lie to you and I. Allah will never let us down. Allah will never forsake us. What does the Quran say? It is obligatory upon us to help the believers. What an ayah. It is obligatory upon us to help the believers. Allah Azza wa says, In Tansurullah, if you help Allah's deen, Allah will help you. Allah says, Ni'mal Mawla wa Ni'mal Nasir. What a great helper He is, what a great assistant He is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah is the caretaker and the friend of the believers. So we need to know that Allah is making this promise that if you follow the deen, you follow the sunnah, He will not forsake you, even though it may seem difficult. But my beloved friends, trust in Allah's promise more than you trust anyone else. Now they started arguing amongst themselves after this whole incident. I already talked about it in the second or third uh, uh, tafsir about the whole story. So we're not going to repeat the story here. Um, they started uh, start discussing among themselves, what should we do? Should we, sh- after they're dead, they passed away, they all passed away. The show is over. Everyone accepted Islam, right? Now, some of them said, we want, uh, let's build a building over it so that no one can come in, mess around with their bodies. We want this place to be known so, uh, and written in history so people can come and take a lesson from it. Others people said, you know what, instead of that, let's build a masjid here. And these were the believers who built a masjid nearby and said, if people are coming here, so that instead of just looking at the grave, they can actually pray salah over here. They can come and reflect over the grave, subhanAllah. This is where this incident happened. But we're not going to make sajda to, obviously, the dead people. We're going to make sajda to Allah. If you're amazed at the story of the cave, make your sujood. Make your sujood. So that's why they said, let's build a masjid around this area. Okay, notice now the discussion of where is the, exactly the city is. What are the names? What is the name of the city? The names of the people. How many there were? What era was it in? All has been left ambiguous. Because the lesson is timeless. The lesson, it shouldn't be that someone says, Wo zamana alag tha, ye zamana alag hai. That was a different era. Those were different people. Uh, we cannot have these miracles now. No, it's timeless, nameless. This is the principle. If you care about deen, if you're young or old, and if you care about the deen, if you're sincere, and if you want to make a commitment, and you are ready to take a shelter for the sake of Allah and make hijrah, Allah will protect you and preserve your progeny and generations. But if, do not say, don't give excuses. I hear these people. They give excuses for people's deen. You see, mashallah, someone did XYZ. Of course, he had it made for him. She had it made it for him. This, my beloved friends, is shaitan playing tricks with you. No one has a made for them. No, you have to make niyyah and make effort that Allah will make it for you as well. Why we sit back on our, on our bottom and say, oh, I can't be expected to do any work of deen because I'm not lucky as you are. What is that supposed to mean? That's a deception of shaitan. Everyone can be lucky. It's an open maidan. It's an open place. It's an open bidding place. You come and do business with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can be at the back of the line. But you make niyyah, you'll be at the front. 
Mashallah, I, I came across a, 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 a brother walk, driving by here a couple weeks ago. So I was introduced that this brother is a PhD in chemistry. He started his own uh, chemical, um, uh, what you call it, pharmaceutical company. He's the president of it, CEO of it, subhanAllah. And now he retired. And I met him, a brother from Nigeria. And now in his, six, he's six, in his late 60s, he said, I retired to the Qur'an. MashaAllah, over a period of nine years, Alhamdulillah, he memorized the entire Qur'an. If you wanted to be ahead of the khalas. I was told of another brother just yesterday who memorized the Qur'an in seven years and did the alim program in 12 years while working full-time. So meaning, whenever you decide to get ahead of the line, <laughs> you can skip it. You can come ahead. As soon as you may niya that I want to go ahead and do something great. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, these people are discussing amongst themselves. Were there three? Were there four? Were there five? How many dogs were there? How many, I mean, how, how, how many people were there? Allah azawal says, don't discuss this. Rabbum alamu bihim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows their numbers the best. Majority of the people do not know their numbers. Very nice. Do not argue with the disbelievers about this. Do not argue with the disbelievers. Yani, be easy going with the non-Muslims when you discuss this issue. Because the non-Muslims, Christians, the Jews had different versions of it. The Quran is saying, they're Rajman bil They have no clear proof. They're just, there is just, they are just coming up with these ideas of how many people there are. So if you discuss with them, do not argue about them except with some said sure argument evidenced by the Quran. Another explanation means superficial argument. Talk about one, two minutes. If they don't listen, then don't worry about it. So that's why the discussions with non-Muslims regarding even other things like hijab or slavery or women's rights or animals' rights. We tell people, brother, Islam is not about this. Islam is not about capital punishment. Why are we always talking about capital punishment? If you have an issue with capital punishment, okay, leave it. Don't believe in it at the moment. Right now, why don't we speak about Tawheed? Let's speak about Tawheed, Risala, and Akhirah. Khalas. We will never end these discussions if you want to go out and say, well, how come Islam says this? How come Islam says that? That's not the right way to go present Islam. Let's, let's focus on the most important aspects, which is Tawheed, oneness of Allah, prophethood, and the Day of Judgment. The themes of the Quran. Similarly, the, people, the number of the people of the cave. Don't argue about it. And then number two, also, do not try to get your knowledge from the people of the scripture. Do not get your knowledge. Meaning, do not have discussions of ilm and learn about the Qur'an and learn about your deen from the people of the book. Umar radiallahu anhu's famous story you're aware of. He was sitting there reading the Torah while Abu Rasul was present. And he did not see. He was like, oh wow, he's reading through the Torah and he was amazed about it. And he didn't see what was happening. Abu radiallahu saw Rasul's face is changing and his face is becoming red out of anger. Immediately he, he alerted Umar, look at Rasulullah's face. As soon as he saw that, Umar radiallahu went on his knees. And he began to say, رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّهَ I'm happy with Allah as my Lord. وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ Islam is my religion. وَمُحَمَّدٍ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ رَسُولًا وَنَبِيًا is my Prophet and my Messenger. I'm so sorry. Nabi Sallallahu says, لَوْ كَانَ مُوسَى حَيًّا لَمَا وَسِعُ You're reading the book of Musa. Let me tell you one thing. If Musa himself was alive, he would not be able to get salvation until he followed me. You're reading his book when he's not even around. If he himself were here, he had to follow me. Why are you reading his book and being amazed about it in front of me? So this is another issue. People are loved, they're amazed by New York Times bestseller books. When those topics, wallahi, have already been written a thousand years ago by, our, by Muslim authors. But we didn't look there. We didn't read there. And so we promote this and that, this and that. 
But if you actually were to go find and you were to go look, you'll find that most amazing knowledge written 1,000, 1,500 years ago, subhanAllah, by our own scholars. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the understanding of today's dars. May He allow us to have the true belief in miracles and may He be, make us people of wilaya of His friendship. May He allow us to believe that nothing can harm and benefit us without the will of Allah. Everything's harm and benefit is subjective to Allah's will. And nothing in this world can do anything without Allah first giving it permission. And so Dajjal, whatever he does, will be with Allah's permission. We will not be phased with what Dajjal does, inshaAllah, but, uh, in, in the Dajjali era. But instead we'll say, this is all happening because Allah willed what happens. And then we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He grants us the ability to focus on beneficial knowledge and spend time focusing on searching out that beneficial knowledge. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us to find good company and allow our children to find also good company. As before we begin our dhikr, I want to make a quick few announcements. Alhamdulillah, we have done, as a community, you all have done an amazing job of reaching for about 4.8 million salawat. Alhamdulillah. And we had our goal of 7 million. We have till Saturday night, till the Sira conference ends. So I expect all of you who are listening online and on-site, inshallah, to please keep on working. And you can share the, uh, share the goals at masjidds.org backslash salawat or just go to our C- website, it's there, Sira conference website. And you'll, you can register for the Sira conference and uh, tally in your salawat. There are cards here. You can pick them up on your way out. Take it home and try to do 10,000. Yesterday we met a beautiful youngster, Zaid, mashallah, who himself took one card, went in his basement and did 10,000 himself. Seven-year-old. If a seven-year-old can do it, I think all of us put together in one family can easily do 10,000. And there, he's not the only seven-year-old in the community, mashallah, who has done 10,000. Imagine that. Right? They're doing it. Some of them are doing it per day. To encourage you, I'm telling you, there are some brothers who are doing 25,000 a day. Salawat. And you ask them how they're spiritually feeling. It's the most amazing day. So if you're having a very tough time today, as you listen to me, if you're having some sort of depression, some sort of you know, low time in your life, issues at home, domestic issues between you and your children, between you and your spouse, I implore you, between now and Saturday, do 100,000 salawat. And you say, Ya Allah, I'm doing this for you. Ya Allah, I'm doing this with this firm resolve and intention and aqidat and expectation through the barakah of this 100,000 salawat, your mercy will pour down upon my situation, my situation will be solved. And I'm telling you with conviction that this will happen. You do 100,000 between now and Saturday for whatever issues you are, I am sure Allah will not let you down, will not let me down. It will happen. Whatever issue you make knee of, you do, you push yourself in front of Allah and that, that salawat is going to bring such mercy you have never felt like before. You're standing under the Niagara Falls. Why will you not be washed away? Why will you not be cleansed? Why will you not be washed out from all the issues you are, you are going through? That's, that's what blessings of salawat are. Second announcement is that the Sira conference will begin Friday after Isha. The detailed schedule will be released inshallah tomorrow, ta'ala. that has a full schedule, parallel programs for kids under five, five to seven, seven to nine, adolescents, college students, high school students. We have mashallah experts, scholars, professionals coming to address the youth. Parallel programs along with the main sessions that are taking place here. This year's theme is of course building a Muslim community. Right? How did Rasulullah build the Madani community so that we can build one over here? That's the whole idea. So we learn from it, practically implement it. So please make sure everyone comes here Friday at Isha at 7.30 to participate in the first part of the program and then comes back on Saturday at 1.30 and st- spends the entire day with us till the program ends. Say inshallah. And we'll have meals here. 
we'll have uh, those of you want to do it, we have many, many, many brothers and sisters coming from out of state. So if you're coming from out of state, alhamdulillah, just go to our website, register there for the uh, hotels there, the Muslim-owned hotels right around the masjid with a discount. And you can do i'tikaf for the brothers who are coming from out of state. The masjid will be open for i'tikaf. Or even locally if you want to do i'tikaf Friday night. Saturday we'll have our team fajr. Saturday morning we'll have our talk after fajr, dhikr, and then followed by a good breakfast, inshallah. So that will continue on this um, Saturday as well. I, I need all of you to make this niyyah now that you're going to try to invite at least 20 families. 20 families out of state or inside. Say inshallah, raise your hand. Right? 20 families that you will personally invite. 20 families you're going to personally invite, okay? Yeah? 20 families you're going to invite, inshallah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to this weekend's program. And you're going to continue doing your salawat as well. Let me have a quick show of hands. How many of us have read Surah Al-Kahf more than once this week? How many have read Surah Al-Kahf more than once? Okay, alhamdulillah. How is the memorization coming along? Huh? We're saying to you? Yeah, how many people are part of the class? 10 over 10? 15, huh? Yeah, okay. So here, we have a Surah Al-Kahf memorization class as well. So alhamdulillah, we have about 15 brothers and sisters memorizing. If you are interested in joining that class, you know, please uh, uh, meet here, Umar, um, and our message, the masjid number, so we can sh- join, help you join that class. Um, and yeah, so that's it. Any other announcements? Alhamdulillah. Besides, there's the new hoodies and jackets, Dar Salaam gear, fall gear, that's outside. Um, so you can pick that up on your way out, purchase that if you like. It'll be available for sale during the conference. And also, please enjoy the chai on your way out. Uh, I, I think I did win over a little bit over time today. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, <laughs> reward you all for your patience and, um, and accept it from all of us. لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الله 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 
আল্লাহু আল্লাহ 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 আস্তাহ আল্লাহ <laughs> 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 to practice on whatever good was shared. Oh Allah, enable us to propagate 
Whatever good was shared. Oh Allah, if mistakes were made, Ya Allah, we, I seek forgiveness from you for that. Oh Allah, we ask you to allow us to, to establish a proper connection with the Qur'an, a proper connection with the, with the sunnah of the Prophet Oh Allah, fill our hearts with, the, with your love, with the love of Rasulullah, with the love of, uh, of the Sahaba, with the love of the family of Rasulullah, with the love of the pious of the past and the pious of today. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us the love of the masjid. Allow us to remain pegs of the masjid. Oh Allah, allow our families, our sons and daughters and our spouses to be connected with the deen. Oh Allah, we ask you to bring muhabba and love between the spouses between the parents and the children. O Allah, bring sunnah within our homes. O Allah, remove discord, remove fighting, infighting, all sorts of misunderstandings from our, within our homes. O Allah, bring deen into our homes, bring deen into our homes. O Allah, we ask you whatever desire and whatever permissible desire and need all the brothers and sisters have who are sitting here or listening online. O Allah, we ask you to fulfill all the permissible desires and needs, fulfill all their needs. O Allah, allow this gathering to become a means of the fulfillment of our needs of this world and the next. Allow this gathering to become a means of us getting closer to you, Ya Allah. O Allah, make this gathering and every Tuesday is gathering Allah immensely accepted and maqbool in your sight allow it to be allow it to be gathered by millions and millions of angels oh Allah allow us all grant us all istiqamah and steadfastness oh Allah those if we have come here once allow us to allow us to be accepted to come every single week and oh Allah oh Allah please do not deprive us of coming to the masjid on a regular basis oh Allah allow the masjid to be filled every day allow the gatherings of knowledge and dhikr to take place in all the masajid and all the madaris and allow all of our Islamic institutions and our masajid and madaris all to be protected from the evil eye from the from sihar from from hasad, from nadar, from, the, from infighting, from external issues, from internal issues. Oh Allah, we ask you to allow this upcoming Sirah conference of this weekend to become extremely beneficial for the entire community and the entire globe. Allow the nur from this place to emanate throughout the entire world. Allow it to become a means of removing darkness from wherever it may be. Oh Allah, allow the collective millions of salawat and millions of istighfar and, 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 and athkar and duas of all the brothers and sisters from across the globe and those who are doing it here and those who are doing it from their homes to become a powerful force of good in this world. Allow it to become means of the establishment of deen in this land. Allow it to become means of protection of this institution and all of the efforts of this institution, of its staff, of its students, of its patrons, of its well-wishers, of its musallis, of its attendees. Oh Allah, protection from, from evil eye, protection from hasad, from sihr, protection from all sorts of physical, spiritual, mental, and emotional difficulties. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us all siha and afiyah. Oh Allah, grant a shifa to all those who have requested for dua and those who are sick from our communities. Grant them all shifa, grant them shifa ikamil, Grant them shifa kamil. Those who have surgeries, those who have got various types of issues going on in their life, those who are suffering terminal illnesses, critical illnesses. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant them all shifa, shifa. Oh Allah, those who have passed away from the ummah and from our families, grant them maghfirah, highest levels of jannah. Subhanahu wa rabbil izzati ma sifun. Wassalamun al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.